Good morning and welcome to Talking Point. Are you a mother that took a bit of time off when you had a baby, but then that one baby turned into two and one year turned into ten, and now you're wondering if you'll ever be able to work outside the home again? Do you look at job adverts and panic that you've been rendered unemployable? Fear not. This week, Talking Point is coming to you from the Women in Media Conference in the gorgeous Kilcoolies Hotel in Ballybunion, and I have a panel full of women who've been through it all and have fabulous advice for how to get back up on the horse. Claire Ronan is a presenter of Ocean FM, Sligo's fantastic local radio station. Samantha Burke is a producer of Primetime and the equally fabulous RTE. Siobhan Mon is the founder of Integrated Thinking and she's running a program called Women Reboot. And Kleena McCusker is a managing director of Accenture's technology business. And let's give them all a Ballybunion welcome, please. Now, I want to start with Claire Ronan from Ocean FM because Claire is the one who didn't take a year or two out. Claire, how many years did you take out? 22. Okay. (laughs) So how did that happen and how did you get back in the race? Okay, well, when you talk about one baby going to two, I had two babies that went to five. So I had five children under the age of seven and I worked until I had three. But um, I suppose it was financial, really. There is no way you would get, first of all, somebody to mind five children under seven. And secondly, it was expensive. So I gave up work and I stayed at home for 22 years. And as you do, you bring up your children to go away and get educated. I live in the west of Ireland, so they were going to Dublin to college. And one day, and it really was a one-day moment where I dropped the children to school, the three that were left at home, and I realised that within 18 months, I was going to have more or less an empty nest. And nobody was coming home that day until six o'clock. So what lay ahead of me was cleaning the hot press. And I thought, I've been 22 years cleaning this bloody hot press, and I don't feel like doing it for another 22 years, so what am I going to do? So I went for a long walk, and I had a long think about it, and it's always been a dream of mine to work in the media. And I... I had no confidence. I'd been at home for 22 years, um, but I googled courses and I found a course and um, I rang the guy who ran it and I started the following Saturday. And that's how the journey began for me. I did a course in TV presenting in Dublin, which served two purposes. The first was obviously I was getting back out there, meeting other normal human beings, not just all children. And also it weaned my family off me a little bit. So, you know, I wasn't available on a Saturday when I was at my course. That was a huge change for them. And then at the end of the course, I actually started working. And on that issue of weaning, how did your husband and how did your children react to the fact that you weren't going to be available? They took quite a while to realise that that was actually a reality. Um, And I still think they're realising that (laughs) mum isn't always there. And in fact, as we were speaking earlier, you know, when you're working on the radio... Uh, and the children are ringing your mobile phone, you can't actually say, sorry, everybody listening, I'm going to play Led Zeppelin, Sorry to Heaven, while I tell my son what sun factor he has to bring on holidays with them. So weaning your children off you is difficult to do, but they get used to it. And um, I think they've enjoyed watching me return to work. The journey, I started to work for free, Sarah. Um, I went into the local radio station. I asked, asked them, would there be any chance they'd give me a gig? Um, And Tim Collins, who's the CEO of Ocean FM at the time, had some faith in me and said, I'll give you a consumer show. It's 10 minutes every two weeks. 
And I said, right, great. I didn't even know the sale of Good Act. But I had been buying things and running a house for 20 years. So that grew and I now have my own consumer show and my business show. And I've been doing TV shows and I've been writing for newspapers. And I've been working pretty hard for the last five years. And it's great. And I've had that moment in my life sometimes as well when you just need that one person to say, yeah, okay, I think you can do something here. That's so important. Well, you get rejection. Going back to work, you have to really thicken your skin because I sent loads of emails that never get returned. Um, And it's sometimes really hard. And if you send an email at 11 in the morning to a producer saying, listen, I'd love to come on your show, um, I might send it again the next day at 4 o'clock because maybe they just... I might be the last text or the last email they get before they finish. You just have to keep at it. And it's not easy, but it's so worth it. I mean, now I feel... I'm number one, a wife, a mother, and a sister. Number two, a media girl, not a housewife. And for me, that's just brilliant. Samantha Burke, um, you went from one to four children. Is that right? What happened to you? I had four babies in four years. Um, I had two boys and then I had twin girls three years ago. So I've been out for five out of the last seven years. Um, When I went back after the boys, I went on a four-day week, you know, reduced my hours that way. But when I was pregnant with the twins and uh, working on a very big documentary, the Primetime Investigates went in undercover into creches. I produced that programme. So we were working day and night and I was running out of edit suites to get sick in the bin outside with the morning sickness. And it occurred to me at that point that actually going back to work with four very small children was going to be quite hard. So I took three years off then um, and I've just gone back in January um, to the weekly show in primetime. So I work on the Tuesday programme now. So when you realised it just wasn't going to work, you were going to have to take that time off, were you worried about how you get back in or did you have a clear path in your um, head? I was very lucky that I had some very good examples in my office. I had Mary McCallan who went back with eight children. <laughs> um, so I know lots of women who have worked with lots of babies. Um, so I, I believed it would be possible. Um, and I took the view that like a lot of women, I think, that uh, your career isn't one big long path that has to stay in a straight line. So for me, it was, this is what we're going to do for now. My priority at the moment is to be at home with my babies. And that in time, I would take the next step. And for me, right now, the next step is going back in a part-time capacity. And then we'll see where we go. Um, we always assume, and I did it too when I had my own babies, there was no question that I wanted anybody else looking after them, especially my husband. You know, I want, they were my babies and I wanted to mind them. Was there ever any part of you that thought, well, why is it on me to cut back? Why isn't it on him to cut back? For me, no. For me, I wanted to be there. Um, I was very lucky to have four children and I wanted to be at home with them. I know for some people that might be different, but in our, in our circumstance, I was very happy to be at home and I felt very lucky to have that opportunity to be able to do that. I know some people can't do that, but for me, it was, it was a really happy choice to make. And then is there a side of it as well that being employed by RTE, which is a proper employer that has staff, you know, with rights, with the opportunity to take leave, that that makes it easier, that there are probably lots of employers that maybe just couldn't provide that kind of flexibility that they were able to offer you. Yeah, I, I was obviously conscious that if I was in a small family business, you know, where there's maybe only four or five people, that's a different thing for you yeah. to make that decision. It has different ramifications for the business. I was lucky. I'm in a big company. It's very progressive. There's lots of different ways of working, and they're very open to that now. So there were lots of different ways of working and lots of different options available. 
Um, I know people now, not just in RT, but in a lot of very big organisations like RT, um, people take leave for lots of different reasons. It's not always because you're going on maternity leave and you're staying off. People take study breaks, people take breaks to be a carer, people take breaks to travel. So I think big companies now are more open to the idea than maybe they were 10 years ago or 20 years ago, that just because you go out doesn't mean that you're gone. There's ways back in, you know. Um, Siobhan Mon, so you're running this programme called Reboot, <laughs> which I really like the sound of. Will you tell me a bit about it and where did the initiative come from? Because I think that's a key part of the story. Yeah, so Women Reboot, I work in the technology sector. So Women Reboot came from, it's a very much a sector-led initiative. Um, and it, it was the brainchild of Software Skillnet and Technology Ireland, who uh, work with ICT, digital and software companies in Ireland. Nine out of the ten global software companies are based in Ireland, with about 105,000 people working in the sector. And unfortunately, there's only about 25% of that 105,000 that are women. Um, and in looking at the brain drain in, in the technology sector, um, Software Skillnet and Technology Ireland felt that there was opportunity to target women who have taken a career break in the sector, who maybe stepped out to look after children or through illness or looking after elderly parents and might like the opportunity to step back in and who have trained, who have degrees so, um, in that area and who would add an awful lot. So it's very much a sector-led um, initiative. We didn't know how many women were out there of this type, to be honest. There's very little statistics around it. And so we held an information evening, and we had about 100 women turn up to the event. Um, and so it was a, a, a real sign that absolutely we were onto something here. And of those 100 women, 80 applied for our program, Women Reboot. Um, and so what we've been doing with those women is working with them, because they had an awful lot of concerns they were very anxious and nervous about getting back into the sector um, and that their skills were outdated, that nobody would want to talk to them. Um, and we brought along companies like Accenture Clean as Company who said, no, we're absolutely, we need you. We need this experience. We need these skills. Come talk to us. So we're working with them in kind of four ways. We're coaching and mentoring them. We're bringing women from the sector to these women to talk about what their roles are like. And some of them are women returners, like the women on the, the panel today. Um, we're also, we have an e-learning platform so they can upskill and they can use it from home in their own time. So they're not expected to be sitting in a classroom and they get access to that for a year. Um, and we've also partnered with about 25 companies who are willing and prepared to look at the gaps in their business and see is there an opportunity for these women and they've been so enthusiastic and the women are amazing my job is easy I'm working with a really talented bunch um, and with amazing companies who are just open to embracing them and, coming and what kind of time scales are you talking about you know I worked in technology and even stuff like programming and languages and applications that people use, they change so fast. Yeah. I imagine if you take out two years, never mind ten, yeah. you won't know what's going on on a technical level. Yeah, I mean, the, the women have that concern. And I think what they're doing is working through this platform that has hundreds and hundreds of different learning paths. But to be honest, 
these are very clever women who did a degree in the first place, and some of them have won ones in their degrees. They're bright women, and they'll upskill pretty quickly. Their bigger challenge is their own confidence, is their own kind of ability. You know, they're, they're really concerned that, you know, nobody will want to talk to me. And I think as we've worked on the program from that first evening at the program where a lot of the initial questions at the information evening were... You know, will I get flexibility? What about the kids? What about leaving? Will anybody want to talk to me? We've moved now as we've had three or two seminars and are about to have our third. They're so much more confident. They're so excited and they're so buoyed up. Is that worry, though, legitimate? Because particularly in the recession when people lost their jobs, I really found, and this happened for a lot of men as well, if they were a year out of work or two years out of work, even though we knew loads of really competent people got turfed out of jobs through no fault of their own, companies would still judge them and say, well, it must be you. You know, there must be something about you that's wrong that you don't have a job. Like, so in other words, are they right to worry that a company would look at them and think, ah, we'll take this young one 24 straight out of college instead. She'll be cheaper and easier for us to mould. Yeah, I, I think what we're hearing from the companies, and we have a steering group of, of companies that are working with us on this programme, and what they're saying to us is, we're not, we don't think that. We actually value experience. We look at, I think the, the companies are looking at the bios of these women. We've sent them around. They're actually saying, wow, we can't believe how skilled they are. Um, so absolutely, it may be a concern on both sides. I'd say the companies were a little con- worried and saying, I wonder what kind of women we're going to get. But that's been alleviated now. And I think they're all buoyed up and, and ready to move on. So, so Kleena McCusco, you're from Accenture. And it's one of those companies I always heard the name of. And it sounds to me like something from that movie, The Firm, you know, where there's all these really high-powered corporate scary people, you know, who work all hours of the day and week and and it's all about you know being loyal to the company I can't imagine going in there and saying you know like I want to get back to work but I've got a few kids would it be okay if I did a three-day week and can I go with four on Thursdays because there's swimming class you know how does that go down if you walk in the door and you start trying to bargain your way out of doing work um (laughs) No, no, it's a, it's a, a very valid question. Um, and I was sitting here today, I am actually myself a mom of two. And I certainly am very keen to be getting to the swimming lessons and to wherever else they need to be dropped off at. Um, but actually, even saying that is actually when you're in the companies, I can understand from an external perspective looking in, oh my gosh, these big corporates, you know, we're a very, very big global company. Uh, it must be kind of daunting from the outside. But actually, the same challenges are faced on the inside. So in terms of the questions around flexible work, in terms of fitting in the kids, fitting in, in my own personal example, also having um, kind of a, you know, a sick family member over the years and having to sort of work around that. Um, the same challenges happen with the, the workforce today. Um, so, you know, I think it's, it's all around context and actually getting a discussion going. Um, so when Siobhan is saying, look, these companies are coming uh, to women saying, look, we actually need you back. There's a skills shortage here. Is that true then? Is that your experience absolutely absolutely and I have to say um, having been involved in in the program since the beginning when when Siobhan contacted uh, contacted Accenture what was really interesting to us is that you know it is nearly a cliche now in the IT industry the war for talent but absolutely we you know we we need experienced people um, and I think what Siobhan has done as part of this women's reboot program is given a little nudge in the direction of I suppose a pool of talent that is actually untapped that we haven't really um, necessarily consciously thought about and the program has actually 
point us in the direction to say, actually, there, there are a group of women out there with huge amount of experience. I mean, I've, I've read through some of those bios and I was blown away by them as well, yeah. as Siobhan said. Um, and literally, I did say, Siobhan, my gosh, there's going to be lots of people falling over themselves here wanting to, to talk to these women to come back in. Um, so I, I do think it's, 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 yeah, it's a great opportunity. And what first. about flexibility then? Y- you know, can you take those breaks when you need them or going home early one day or late in the next? Like, does that go down okay? Or is there a culture of presenteeism? Um, so look, uh, I think it, it all comes down to having the discussions with, with whoever you're working for. Um, yeah. So from my personal experience, have I ever had Accenture say no to me? No. Um, I think we need to, you know, move on from, as you say, culture presenteeism. It's what what is the outcome that needs to be delivered? Can you can, can I look, you know, my boss in the eye and say I will deliver that for you? Uh, just trust me. And I think that's actually where we need to move the conversation to. And it's something that, you know, again going back to the point, it's the same challenge for our own workforce as it is for people who are maybe coming new into the organisation. Is there a flip side to it? You know, I mean, I know in terms of, say, my job in Newstalk, well, obviously I have to be present when I'm actually doing the programme, but I'm at home in the kitchen elbowing the kids out of the way because I'm looking at an email and answering the phone and I have to do this work. You know, so the the work comes home and you actually end up working all the time. Well, maybe that's true for a lot of, you know, men too as well, but. Do you find that happening? Yes, I think that's a, that's a very valid So the um, companies point. actually kind of win. They get you seven days <laughs> a week now. Well, yeah. I do think there's a bit of onus on ourselves, though. Like, do we... Is the company actually telling me to go and check my email or my text messages or whatever at any time of the day or night? No. It's actually myself that needs to say, no, I'm not going to do that and set those boundaries. Now, if I decide, actually, I want to head off early on a Friday afternoon... And I will deal with something later on. That's my choice. Um, but I do think it's back to you do need to set those boundaries personally. Um, and do important. you notice any difference between how men work and how women work in, in the workplace? Are men better about the boundaries? Do women feel the obligation to be seen to do their bit? Or are men evolving a little bit, maybe? I think they're evolving. <laughs> um, I do, there, there is a piece, though, I suppose, about um, sheer numbers. So certainly in our organisation, you know, there's certainly at my level, now there's 30% or so of our managing directors women. Um, and it does mean that actually you start having the conversations with the men and saying, oh, I'd, I'd like to do X, Y, Z. And you'll find they'll say, geez, actually, I never thought about that. And that sort of diversity of thinking, um, you know, some of them have certainly said to me, oh, actually, I'm going to do some of the, you know, the, the pick up for, for the kids. Because you start having those discussions, they say, yes, maybe I should do it. And I think um, Samantha, in our office now, people, men are going home to pick up the kids from the creche too. People are off because their kids are doing the leave insert and they want to be there to help them. It's not as regimented as it used to be. I think men are very involved in their homes now and they're much more open about saying that. Whereas I think before women said it, men might have been doing it, but they might not have said it publicly, you know. Um, but Claire, maybe is there still a feeling that childcare and home stuff is still the woman's responsibility? And if he does a bit, if he picks up the milk on the way home, he's great, you know. <laughs> He, he well, bought I, the bread, you know, <laughs> and it's still nowhere near 50-50, you know. Well, I suppose I'm older and, I mean, there's so many, as I would call them, new men, which is a really good thing. I mean, you know, this morning I was out walking in Ballybunion and we noticed coming up the amount of men pushing buggies. And that's a good thing. 
if when I when my children were small and my eldest is twenty five, you didn't see as many men at the school gates. Yeah, no, uh, yeah. There's no more. way they're pushing a buggy. Um, Claire Ronan, just before the break, there we were talking um, about men, but I'm and their part in all of this. But I'm also conscious um, that you know class is an issue. What we're talking right now are about educated women, you know, and a lot of the time if we're going out to work. There's other women left behind who have to do our housework for us and care for children and all of that. Is it a danger that these conversations can be unconsciously class? You know, what what do working class women have to do? That's a very interesting question, Sarah. Um, And I think working class women have to do exactly what we have to do. You know, um, I wouldn't see a big divide from a class point of view. Um, And certainly in the media, maybe in certain parts of the media, uh, with all due respect to um, RTE, but in local radio stations, we don't have um, a class situation. We have all different people. And in fact, the more rural you are, the more popular you are. And it is something that I'm often reminded, and my colleagues in Ocean would probably be smiling if they're listening, to dumb it down. They're, they're always teasing me about having my accent is too posh. <laughs> so if we're talking about class, um, it isn't something I have come across in a working environment. Um, I'd like to think that uh, certainly where I work, it's class Equality. Um, Samantha Burke, though, why is it so important to do work outside the home? You know, and I used to feel this when I was at home full time and wasn't working outside the home. I'd feel somehow I was being a bit judged. You know, I felt that what I was doing was valuable too, but it's not like even your own girlfriends didn't respect you, you know, if you were just at home. And I'd nearly apologise and say, well, I'm just at home, you know. social functions while I was off work and had people actively turn away from me after I said, oh, I'm at home with my four children. Yeah. As if I can't talk about anything else except nappies and baby wipes. But it was important for me to have... I had done a lot of work. I had worked my way up. I'd done a degree. I'd done all that. And I wanted to continue that. Um, and I wanted to continue it in a way that fitted in with our family. But it was important to me that it was there that didn't stop for good. And for me as well, for our children, I wanted them to see that I could continue, that there was other things. Um, and that you can do lots of different things in your lifetime and in your career. And that you can do things that are difficult and you can do things at different times in different ways. So as an example to them, as much as for myself. Um, and Siobhan Mon, I mean, I know you had a lot going on in your family. Your dad was living with you. He was ill, you know, for a while. You know, like, did you ever say to yourself, well, my true obligation is at home? Did you struggle with the idea of why am I actually doing this? You know? Yeah, I mean, I suppose I, I always felt I didn't want to have to justify either decision. I think I liked to have that balance as I was going along. And, you know, so I have three children. I have a daughter. I like that she sees that I'm working and that I'm out. But I was also conscious I had an elderly dad. He, he lived with us. So I had to tailor my work to be back with him in the afternoons if I could. So to do workshops and then return home. So I understand completely, and certainly for the women that are on this program, that it is a balance. But there's always ways around it, and there's always ways of, you know, facing those challenges. And I think you just have to put it out there. And, you know, we're, we're in, including coaching on the program mm. to really help the women focus on the goal of getting back to work and what they need, what actions do they need to take to help them get back? Because 
there are challenges there and we're not ignoring them. It's just what are we going to do to get around them because it's finding that balance. So I absolutely, my kids are first, my dad was first, but I also, there's a part of me and it's funny that you brought up, Claire, the, the hot press. That was exactly, I remember after my mom died, sitting at home in the house and thought, the hot press is tidy. I don't know what it is about hot press. Yeah. Um, Mine's a wreck. Yeah. <laughs> what am I going to do now? And, you know, I actually just put it out. I remember I was out for dinner with somebody and I said it about wanting to, to get back into work after having taken a bit of time out with my, with my mom and the kids. And that following Monday, I got a call to say, would you like to come back? This was a company and I came back on contract to a company I'd worked in before. So I say it to the women on the program, once you've made that decision, put it out there and things start to fall into place around you. To Did help you. you get any grief, though, from your kids or your husband? And I know Siobhan's husband. I used to work with him, by the way, <laughs> so I'm not inviting you to libel him on the, the airwaves or anything like that. But, you know, there is that women's work that's done at home, not just about the hot press, but organizing birthday parties and sending Christmas cards and dealing with the school. There's all this stuff that just seems to be what they call wife work. You know, did you feel even when you were increasing your time in paid work, the expectation was still that it was your responsibility to do that stuff at home? Yeah. And I think, you know, for me, I do a lot of work at home. I have a home office. And I think when the children see you there, they feel like because my 19 year old will come down and say, Mom, I need to lift to the dart in five minutes. And I'm just pretend I'm not here, Jack. You know, I don't I'm not in the house. So you are, I think, by being visible. But for a lot of our women, they're actually looking to return back into the companies and they'll be out of that home environment. And so maybe they can put on two different hats. They can mm. have their work hat and then come home and, and deal with the domestics and what they need to do at home. It can be a little bit more challenging trying to combine both as maybe you and I do yeah. in the house where the washing and, you know, I'm on the way in to make a cup of coffee and I'm sticking the washing on and hanging it out and coming back in then to do a call. And that's what I say to the women on the program. It's that context switching. Companies love it, the fact that you can do that. Yeah, but Kleena, this is something people talk though about feminism as well, is that, yeah, we absolutely wanted to use our brains and get back in the workplace. But we ended up doing everything. You know, it's not this lovely balance. It's not this choice. It's just all on us. <laughs> you know, is that your experience or mm. are things improving a bit? Oh, I, uh, geez, I'm 17 years now uh, at the coalface, the, work, the workforce on the IT side. Um, and yeah, look, I absolutely agree with the sentiments of, of the panel. Um, well, let me put yes, it to you, you this do, way. Do how's, how's your hot press? You know, oh. and, and if, it, if you open it and it's, you know, chaos, is there anyone else in your house who's worrying about that hot press or is it just you? No, it's firmly just me, actually. <laughs> yeah. Yes. However, I do firmly agree with the, the phrase of, you know, ask a busy woman. Yeah. to do something. Yeah. Um, I do think, actually, as women, we do have an enormous capacity to get stuff done. And uh, I do think that that gives you, you know, the, the ability to run the house and have, you know, a, a very good and rewarding career as well. I do think you need to not, I suppose, that, again, cliche, not sweat the small stuff. So if things start to pile up, it does not need to be perfect. It's not as if I'm going to have people knocking on the door at any time of the day and, you know, be embarrassed by the state of my hot press. Um, so I do think there has to be a bit of balance there in terms of just focus on stuff that matters. Um, particularly if you've got young kids at home, it's always going to be chaos. There's going to be Lego all over the place. Don't worry too much about it. Um, I think it, it is all around by carving out the time. What do you want to focus your time on? What is the most important thing? 
And when I'm at work, I'm at work. When I'm at home, I am at home. And I focus on focus is, on what Is there, there something, though, in the corporate world now, and I'm not asking you to comment on your own particular company, but that the men, because they are freed, you know, from those domestic obligations, they can go at things more intensively and go up the ladder and, you know, and they, they're better placed to get those really top jobs then. And there is this thing called the mommy track. You know, is there, is there a mommy track? Oh, it's a, well, it's a, I know you said not to maybe personally about my company, <laughs> but actually personal to myself. My husband actually is in the IT industry in the same company. Oh, my God. We've been there for about the same length of time. And how's his career? <laughs> I'm ahead of him. Oh, fantastic. Oh, not by much. <laughs> but actually, it is a good, you know, to actually, I suppose, counter that your point there, that actually I think it's, you know, the mommy track is in maybe people's heads. Um, that's my personal experience in terms of, you know, if you decide where you want to go, yeah. put it out there into, into the universe, so to speak, and go after it. And I know we were speaking um, before coming on the panel, and, um, you know, one of the things we're talking about is I actually need to go out there and just say what I want. I would like to, you know, be involved in X, Y, Z. And, uh, you know, just by having the intent and having the attitude to go out and, and look for something, I think. And, and Claire, I think um, Clean has made a great point there about it being in your head. I mean, even just a couple of years ago, I had an opportunity to do a master's. And it was going to cost a lot of money. It was going to cost €20,000. Uh, and it was going to take up time. And I remember thinking, I can't take that money away from our family. And my husband was actually trying to encourage me to do it. And look, you, it'll be an investment. It will all come back in the future. And I couldn't bring myself to do it. And I've seen other women who are brilliant, who will go back to college, who will do that course, and who will say, they look at it like a business decision nearly for themselves. It's such an important leap to be able to make, isn't it? It is. But I mean, I think what you're talking about there, apart from the, the money, yeah. the, the, is guilt. It's, it's women's guilt. So, you know, I would love to have gone back and done a master's God, the thought of it, though. But, you know, I decided that I would invest time in battling my way through to carve a little media career for myself rather than go back and study. And it was the time guilt. It was, I'm not going to be as available if I'm doing a master's. And then the money guilt as well. Every woman who's been at home minding children has invested so much of themselves in their family that they do deserve to do something for themselves. You know, and from my point of view, going back when my children were in their 20s and late teens, I'm sort of experiencing my career with them because they're starting to work. So it, it brings you closer together. You know, you're able to show your vulnerability. You're not the perfect mother who does everything right. I've had a bad day or I did a bad show or I made a mistake and technology kills me and... You know, we can talk on the same level. It's, it's really good. You That's know. really nice. Um, Samantha, what about you and that idea of investing in yourself? That I hate that L'Oreal phrase, you know, because you're worth it. <laughs> the way it got hijacked. But, um, but convincing yourself, well, maybe I am worth it. Yeah, I think it can be hard to take that first step. And I think actually we're talking about going back to work, but there are other reasons to be outside the home. There are other opportunities for women whether that's doing a course that actually has nothing to do with a career path, it's for your own interest or whatever it might be. I think taking that step and making the decision to either spend money or to take time out of your home is a big step. And the first time you do it, it can be quite nerve-wracking. Um, but that was something for me when I was off that did help with the return to work, that I did a, a running course, something completely different that I'd never done before. And 
taking that step gave me the confidence then to go, actually, I can re-emerge into a different world, into a new place with new people and do all of that. And I think women, taking that first step can be hard, but once you do it, loads of things become possible because you know that you can take those risks, you can take that step. So we're going to do a Q&A now. I think Barbara's going to help us with that. Can I make one comment? Just um, you asked the question about uh, class, which I think is a really interesting question. And I think it's not just up to women, but because it's traditionally been women's work, I think it, it is incumbent on women, but also on men, to... Um, ensure that society changes our attitude about caring and how important caring is. We all need care. When we come into the world, we'll possibly need it when we go out of the world again. And in order for us to, I think, as women, have full equality in society, not just in the workplace, we need to raise the profile of caring and we need to change our attitude to it. Um, I don't think that the people who care for our children or who perhaps work uh, coming in to clean our homes should be among the most lowly paid in society. I, I also don't think that any companies or uh, individuals should be profiting hugely from caring nursing homes. Mm. Um, so, you know, and I think that means it should be subsidised by our taxes. And I mm. think that um, because I think care has to be paid for and I think quality mm. care is going to cost money. And the w- same as, was that as the piece that we missed out on that when women went back to work that governments who wanted to incentivize them to get back to work because there was tax paying and consumering that could be done with the, with the work forgot that the children and the old yeah. had to be cared for and who was going to pay Absolutely. for that. Yeah. And I think even, you know, I mean, having, like, like Claire, I spent 10 years at home. Yeah. Um, and I also think the other trap we fall into is thinking that homes run themselves. They don't. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? If two, par- par- if two people in the one home are out working and there are children, there's all the jobs that always had to be done still have to be mm-hmm. done. Mm-hmm. And I think we've made a life that's actually quite difficult for ourselves now because that work still now has been pushed into the edges at the weekends and in the evenings. Um, and I feel very lucky that when I retired to be a housewife, I hate that term. Um, it was what term, term should you I use? I have no idea. <laughs> I have thought about this for the last five years. And I mean, I think it was Samantha who mentioned it. You know, if you are a housewife and you go to social events and people turn around and go, what do you do? And you go, I'm a, um, 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 and I, I've never come up. So I have no idea what the right term, term is for it. But I do think that it, you know, the need for house, the need for people to be at home is because there's a lot of work to be done in a home. None of us can work from a place of complete chaos. So, you know, I think we need to... I think the way we work is daft. You know, I think both parents leaving a home at kind of 8 o'clock in the morning, especially in Dublin where you've got horrendous commutes, and maybe not getting home with tired children who've been in creche all day mm. until... And I was that soldier at 7 o'clock at evening... There's no quality of life. You know, you're into immediately trying to bats and beds, and it's mental. Mm-hmm. So I think we, we need to do a lot of that. Mm-hmm. And I think now with feminism, that is, that is, they're the kind of issues that we need to address. Okay, now mm-hmm. I'll shut up. Okay. Has anybody, got any, anybody else got any comments or questions? Okay, yes, Fidel Mahilienes. I really enjoy the conversation about roles. And um, my background was in teacher education. And I remember do, I did a master's in the States, and one of the, the modules of the course was where we were taught as teachers to analyze our teacher talk vis-a-vis girls and vis-a-vis oh. boys. And guess what? We, we gave much more time and affirmation to the boys. So culture is very powerful, how we're reared. I mean, generally, boys traditionally were reared to lead and girls were reared to follow. And if you led as a girl, well, you were cheeky or a bit above your station. And that 
dies very hard. You with me? That's, that's very ingrained. But I was, it was absolutely revealing to me personally when I saw my own behavior as to how I affirmed boys. And I mean, I'm talking about young laddings, do you know? The second thing I'd like to make, comment on make, first of all, I want to compliment you all for having the courage to come out of the workplace. I didn't have that courage as a mother because I was afraid I mightn't get back in. However, the, uh, on Monday next, I'll be one year out of politics, and I came out without planning it <laughs> because it was decided for me. And it was absolutely shocking. And, you know, I got licensed again to be a teacher, and everyone was like, holy cow. They're almost afraid you're hardly going to go back to teach. And it was women saying it to me. And I was really disappointed, to be honest with you, with that attitude. And um, anyway, I did it, and I worked full-time up to about November, and now I'm working part-time teaching, and I set up my own business as well. But it was tough. It was really tough. So I do think there are a lot of attitudes that still need handling and honing. Mary, Mary Harney, do you want to chip in on this at all? When you were in... um politics, that issue of women, how did you find other women dealt with you as compared to how men dealt with you? Well, when I went into politics, I was very young, obviously, so when my friends were going to discos and getting married, I was going to common meetings and residence associations. (laughs) (laughs) And my mother's ambition for me was to be a teacher. She used to say, you'll be at home at three o'clock for your husband. My, My generation... Well, while I was at school, I was the only person in my class to go to actually university. And some people went into teacher training, nursing. Aer Lingus hostess was the buzz thing. About six girls from my class went into Aer Lingus. You see the world and all that. I mean, you don't see the world, actually. But, um, but, but, but the whole ethos then was the girl was going to get married, and the big thing was the good catch. You know, so don't worry too much about her education. Um, you know, if she's a nurse or an Aer Lingus hostess or whatever. Uh, that was the environment. But interesting, we, uh, I said earlier we went away recently and um, we, we were on this um, expedition, I suppose you'd call it, in Patagonia. My husband hadn't told me it involved climbing hills. I nearly died. But uh, I don't give up, so I said I better do it. But we were sitting down to dinner one evening and this couple were talking to us and they, the guy said to Brian, and what, did you work, what do you work at and what did you do? And I wasn't asked at all. Like it was just assumed. Um, it was just interesting, and I find that a lot. If you're in, in the environment where people don't know you, um, they just assume you were at home with children. Um, and, and that's an assumption that's made way beyond Ireland, I can tell you. Uh, it's just a perception of, of, of a woman's role. Can I just refer back to class? Because I, I think whilst the question on class was interesting, I think it's more about education. If you've been an operative or a retail assistant, the chances of you going... All the women here are very articulate and well-educated. Mm. So that is the big difference. So what we do need to do is provide opportunities, training education opportunities for women that didn't have that in their working lives because, I mean, you're not going to go back at the age of 40 and work on a factory floor unless you're really desperate. It's tough work. And many of those women end up cleaning other people's houses or trying to mind children. Um, and, and I really think we have an opportunity, and we should have. My former constituency was in North Clondalkin and Tala, a lot of disadvantaged women. Um, and they didn't, not only did they not have opportunities, unfortunately their children aren't having opportunities. There, there's no value, uh, education is not understood. It, it really isn't. Sport is promoted and they all have big TVs and all the sports channels, 
but the kids get out of school at the legal age and they work if there's a job down the road and it's a great, great pity. It used to break my heart to see we had to bring in immigrants for jobs that the Irish weren't skilled to do because they, they didn't avail of the opportunities. It's, it's a terrible shame and that is still the case. So maybe We've great schools, yeah. we've great teachers, the best schools in the country in terms of the facilities, state-of-the-art, modern, and yet there's very low level of third-level education in those communities. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I think that, I is a, that is a big challenge. And So it's not really a class thing, it's more an education. Yeah, and I'd love to see the government maybe doing a kind of a reboot programme, you know, for those, you know, d- technical jobs and that, that Siobhan is leading. Um, Kleena McCusker, I might give you the final word then. Um, in Sweden, where everything is perfect, as we know, um, and uh, paternity leave had to be legally mandated because men wouldn't take paternity leave. The head of Volvo said um, before it was made um, uh, uh, formal that you had to take it, that he much preferred to hire men who had taken their paternity leave because they came back as better employees, just what Samantha and Siobhan has been saying. Because if they had to manage toddlers, (laughs) they gained a lot of skills in trying to manage people. So how do you find the modern man in the corporate environment now? You know, I think negotiation skills with toddlers is definitely <laughs> high up on the list of uh, life skills to be gained. Um, I think it's, a, it's actually a really, really good point. And I do think that, um, and it's a lot of the conversation certainly happening within our own company, um, to, 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 you know, to not make the maternity leave piece just obviously be for the women, to be thinking of m- men taking time out. And I do think that that actually, when that starts happening, and it's all down to numbers game, if people do start to grasp it, to, to get involved in that and, and see that as an option uh, for our men, that actually they would come back with the broader perspective, um, which I think is really, really important um, in terms of colouring your judgement and decision-making, um, you know, being better, etc. So something very, very relevant. Yeah, yeah. Yes. maybe I'd like to think make better company decisions because they are a bit more in touch with their families and with, um, with real people. Um, look, Claire Ronan, Samantha Burke, Siobhan Mon and Kleena McCusker, many thanks for joining me this morning. That's it for the show for this morning. I want to thank Joan O'Connor from Kilcooley's Hotel in Ballybunion for hosting us today and a very special thanks to the writer and broadcaster Barbara Scully. It was her idea to do a show on this topic and recruited the guests and really has been the driving force behind this conversation. Stephen Jordan, my producer, drove the whole way from Dublin to record us. And as always, thank you for listening.